Well, Pastor Raymond and Milan and uh, Lori and I and Pastor Peter, we uh, just got back from Disney World. No, we didn't get back. We went, we're at Orlando, near Disney World. And uh, we were at a conference. It was our annual, biannual conference. And um, it was a great time. 3,000 pastors, missionaries from all over the world came together from the Christian Missionary Alliance. And our focus was thinking beyond what God has already done in our lives, in our churches, in our mission. And this is what uh, the president, John Stumbo, of our denomination said. I sense the Spirit's prompting to challenge us to move beyond our current limitations and more importantly, beyond whatever may be holding us back in our relationship with Jesus. I'm eager to explore together where God is taking us next. Please pray with me that the Holy Spirit's presence will welcome us as we gather to seek his renewing work within, among, and through us. You see, the focus of the whole entire week-long meetings was the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to move us beyond from where we are, although we've gone a, quite a ways as a denomination into 63 different countries, but, but to move us beyond that to wherever God may lead us. And it's encouraging to see that God is leading us to places as a church, to places that we've never been before, where there's never really been a gospel, strong gospel witness, or where there's been places where there's been a witness, but there hasn't been anybody responding to the gospel, like in the Middle East. And now people are responding to know Jesus Christ and follow him. And it's all a work of the Holy Spirit. So today, when I come back from Orlando, I want us to think about what is God wanting us to do? Where is God personally leading you and me and our church to move beyond where we've already come from? And to do that, we need the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So let me pray for us and let's uh, allow the Lord to speak to us today. Father, I ask today in the mighty name of Jesus that you'll bring us to attention to your word. I know we've spoken over and over again about the power and the presence, the baptism, the filling of the Holy Spirit. But Lord, we need more understanding and experience in that than we have experienced already. And so Lord, I pray that you would work and move in our lives, that you'd speak to us today. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. You know, so uh, Corey Tenboom, who was a uh, uh, prolific leader, just a woman who let the Lord use her in a powerful way. She was a prisoner in a concentration camp when she came out. She was the only one living in her family. And God sent her around the world to share the gospel. And this is what she said about the Holy Spirit and God's work. Trying to do the Lord's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of all work. But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. Isn't that amazing to think about that? Here's this woman who was severely, suffered severely in her life, and then God sent her all over the world. I mean, literally all over the world. And she wrote numerous books. She didn't have a high education. She was a very simple woman. But one thing she did have was the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in her life. And it made all the difference in the world. 
And then she told people about that. And it made a difference in their life. Let me tell you about Jean. She had a horrible childhood. She grew up in a home of ten siblings. Her father was a compulsive gambler. Used to bet on the horse races. And although he worked steadily at the post office, he had a good job and a career in the post office. Every month when the check came, or every week when the check came, he bet most of it on the horses. And so the family grew up very poor. Jean was sexually abused as a teenager. And then she carried this secret shame with her all her life. She never really told anybody about it. At the age of 19, she married a Marine from World War II. They had five children together. One was a special needs child. And Jean was a homemaker, but she was also working full time. A mother of five children under the age of seven. And she began to be overwhelmed with life. The things from her past, the things from her presence were catching up to her. She had a nervous breakdown. She ended up in the hospital. Her children at that time had grown up to the age of 13, being the oldest, the 12-year-old daughter caring for the younger. Eventually, after several months, Jean recovered from her depression. She coped the best that she could. She had become a compulsive uh, smoker and alcoholic. And she sought help in a lot of different places. She went for mind control. She even tried seances. She was looking for something that would change and transform her life. I met Jean years later. She was 43 years old. She had gone to a Christian Missionary Alliance church, much like we have here. And on a Sunday, she asked Jesus Christ to come into her life. And what happened is that God began to work in her. And she had an assurance that God had forgiven her of her sin. She knew that she was going to one day go to heaven, but she still struggled tremendously with the guilt and shame of the past, and then also with her addictive behaviors of smoking and drinking. She just couldn't break free. She was really struggling. You know, I've seen this story over and over again in churches. People sit in the pew, they come to church, but there's no life transformation that has really taken place. They've actually even received Christ, been baptized, water baptized, but yet there's no real life of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. And this was what was happening with Jean until one day she just did a full surrender to God. And she said, Lord, whatever you want in my life, you do with me whatever you want. And she surrendered to God. She believed that she was filled with the Holy Spirit. She sensed the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in her life. Did things automatically change? No, not automatically, but a lot of things changed. She had a new power she had the ability to then begin to obey God where she had never been able to obey God before. She was able to open up her home to people, have a Bible study there, host people. She discovered gifts of hospitality, mercy, grace, and as God began to use her, 
her life began to change more and more, and she began to discover the gifts of the Holy Spirit in her life that God had given her, and that God was using her. And it was amazing to see this. I want to tell you that Jean is my mother-in-law. Yeah, she's my mother-in-law. Lori's mother. I saw God deliver her from alcohol. From addiction to tobacco and (laughs) so many things. Lori, stop crying. You're making me cry. (laughs) You know, D.L. Moody said something about this, about the Holy Spirit. And let me quote what he said. I firmly believe that the moment our hearts are emptied of pride and selfishness and ambition and self-seeking and everything that is contrary to God's law, D.L. Moody was a successful salesman. He was a shoe salesman, very successful businessman. And he had an ambition to, to be the best that he could possibly be. And what happened is that God called him into ministry. He became a Christian. God called him into ministry to not sell shoes, but to share the gospel with people. And he became a tremendous evangelist. God used him tremendously all over the world in the 19th century. And he said, the Holy Ghost will come and fill every corner of your heart. But if we are full of pride, conceit, ambition, self-seeking, pleasure in the world, there is no room for the Spirit of God. And I believe many a person, many a man is praying to God to fill him when he's already filled with something else. So there's also this idea that when we're empty, then God has something to fill us with. When we let go of some of the things that we're holding on to that God wants us to release to him, then he's allowed to come in and fill us with his presence and power. Many times I believe that we pray the hardest when we're in an emergency. I call it EMT praying. And uh, it's like something happened and call the pastor. Pastor, call the church. Uh, Church, rally everybody. Let's pray about this. This is serious. And I I believe God answers prayer like that. He does. It's it's powerful to see when the group of people are praying. But there's something even more powerful is a Christian, a normal Christian person who works as a teacher, as a lawyer, as a doctor, as a homemaker, and, and is depending upon the Holy Spirit daily to fill them with power and then to use them wherever they are. That's just as powerful and is necessary if we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. John Stott was a famous theologian just passed away in 2011. This is what he said. What we need is not more learning, not more eloquence, not more persuasion, not more organization, but more power from the Holy Spirit. And John Stott was a tremendous theologian, understood the Bible, understood Hebrew, Greek, could dissect the whole uh, Bible. But he understood that it took more than just Knowledge, it took the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to change us. This week I was hearing stories of people who have gone into the most dangerous places in the world. 
but they are excited about the calling that God has given to them, and they're not going alone. They believe that the Holy Spirit has led them, empowered them, gifted them, and is going to use them even though they don't feel adequate. They don't feel prepared. They don't feel like they have it all together. They don't know what's going to happen next, but they are taking a faith-filled risk and believing that God is leading them to obey and do something because he has called them. The Holy Spirit just doesn't call missionaries, just doesn't call pastors. He calls everybody. He calls every person in the body of Christ to do the things that he has prepared in advance for them to do. He's prepared you and he's prepared me for things and for, to meet people, to talk to people, to share the gospel with people, to help them, to pray for them, to minister to their needs. He has something for each of us to do. I remember this one woman, and I met her in the Middle East. She was from a farm town in Pennsylvania. God called her to go to the Middle East, learn Arabic, and start up an NGO and minister to people there. Now she's ministering to refugees um, from Syria. God used everybody. But she said, she stood on the platform among 3,000 of us and said, hey, I was not, I never dreamed. And then when I got the call, I said, no, I don't want to go. That's not for me. And now I love it. She says, I love the Arab people. They're the most beautiful people, the most generous, most hospitable. And God has given her a place to shine her light there, raise her family there. And they counted a privilege. See, that's, that's, that's not natural. That's supernatural. That's supernatural. That's the Holy Spirit working inside you something different that you never thought of could possibly be and then using you in a way that you never thought possible. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what happened at Pentecost after the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. Something happened to Peter, James, John, and the other disciples. They went from scared, intimidated, uneducated, couldn't speak, to people that were filled with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And God used them in a tremendous way. You know, you may not be a member of our church, but I just want to say some of our statement of faith, just because, you say, Pastor, Al, what are you talking about the Holy Spirit? Isn't that kind of Pentecostal? Isn't that kind of charismatic? What, what are we becoming as a church? The Holy Spirit is throughout the Bible. We're talking about the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. He's a divine person sent to indwell, guide, teach, empower the believer, and to convince the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And it is God's will that every believer should be filled with the Holy Spirit, be sanctified holy, and that means set apart holy, being separated from sin in the world and fully dedicated to the will of God, thereby receiving power for holy living and effective service. There's this idea of that separating 
yourself unto God and saying, God, whatever you want in my life, I'm yours. Use me. This is both a crisis experience, meaning that we come to that place where we say, this isn't working. I can't live the Christian life. I remember when I was 19, and I had come to know Christ when I was 18, and I tried as hard as I could to break through with sinful habits and ways of thinking and living, and I just couldn't. And then I said, I was desperate. I said, God, this has got to be, I know that you're real. I've seen you work. I've seen the circumstances in my life where you have spoken to me. You've lined up people, made divine appointments to bring me to yourself and bring me to faith. But I need more. I need more power in my life. And so I opened my heart up to the Holy Spirit and, and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he came in in a powerful way. He changed me. So let's go throughout the whole Bible and talk about the Holy Spirit. We'll start in Genesis. I promise I'll be done in five minutes. All right, Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, was hovering over the waters. See, right in the very beginning... The beginning of the Bible, we see the Holy Spirit active. There's darkness, there's chaos, and the Holy Spirit brings order. He brings the world into being. He is God the Holy Spirit, God the Son, God the Father. Three in one. So the Holy Spirit's job was to come over that chaos and darkness and bring life. He does the same thing in people's life like Gene. Does the same thing. Looks at the chaos, looks at the darkness, looks at the guilt and the shame and all the things that are racking her, causing her to be mentally unstable. And he brings order. He brings a sense of his purpose and presence, identity. I'm a child of God. God knows me. He loves me. Only God can do that. You see, the Holy Spirit... He is a chain breaker and a change maker. Before Pentecost, the disciples found it hard to do easy things. And after Pentecost, they found it easy to do the hard things. There was a difference. After they were filled with the Holy Spirit, there was a new power and a purpose and a presence to do things that they normally could not do before. You say, Pastor Al, I don't know if I want to do that. I don't know if I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit because if, I, if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, that means God's going to want to use me. And right now, I don't think I have time for God to use me. You know, God can use you at your work. God can use you at your school. He's not telling you to, to, to change your schedule, although He may. But right where you are, there are divine appointments and situations where the Holy Spirit will lead you and he will speak through you and use you in a powerful way. So a lot of times we get this mixed up. We think, oh, God only fills pastors and missionaries with the Holy Spirit. Because oh, God only fills adults 
Oh yeah, you got to be 18 or older to have the Holy Spirit. It's like a legal requirement. No. And, or God gives a junior Holy Spirit to children. He's just a junior Holy Spirit. He doesn't do very much. No. God gives the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead to dwell in us. But how much are we allowing Him to work? I'll tell you, at this conference, I went forward twice. I mean, yeah, Pastor, yeah, I went to the altar and I, I knelt down and I prayed. Did you go forward? Yeah, I'm sure Pastor Peter went forward too. Why? Because we need more. I've never felt as though I've been at some place of maturity in my Christian life where I didn't need more power of the Holy Spirit, more love, more gifting, more help. We all need that. In Exodus chapter 31, verses 1 through 5, Moses has this charge to build a tabernacle where the Jewish people can worship. And the Holy Spirit, uh, God uses the Holy Spirit and gifts a person to do craftsmanship. See, that's why I'm saying God doesn't just use a person filled with the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel. He can use you to build things. He can use you as an architect. He can give you wisdom and do things. A financial planner. He can do a lot of different things. He can use you as a doctor or as a nurse in the medical field. He can give you wisdom that you didn't have and strength and compassion and the way that you can minister in a way that it's supernatural. I've seen him do that with people. So this guy named Beziel, son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom and understanding, with knowledge and all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Wow. I mean, God definitely does not limit what the Holy Spirit can do in a person. Craftsmanship. Engineering. All these things God can use and gift you. I mean, I know it's a natural gift, but it can be in spirit empowered. It can be spirit empowered and used by God in business, in teaching, and whatever God has called you to do. There was people like Gideon, Deborah, and Samson, King Saul, David, the prophets, men and women who were used by God for specific tasks, but sometimes their character was not changed. They were given the ability, but inside their heart, inside the heart in where the character is formed, there was still something lacking. There wasn't a change from love and power. So you can be a brilliant musician, a, a, a fantastic teacher, but God also wants to work something inside you through the power of the Holy Spirit that changes you in a way that gives you more love, more peace, a sense of joy in the midst of difficulties, something deep inside your heart, a, a, a quest for living a life of holiness before God. God can do that in you. And then see, he says this in Ezekiel chapter 36 God is promising the Holy Spirit, for I'll take you out of the nations, 
I'll gather you from all the countries and bring you back to, into your own land. He's talking to the people of Israel. And I'll sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean and I'll cleanse you from your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. So he's talking about something inside that's going to happen. Not just outward ability, but something inside. A new heart and a new spirit. I will remove from you your heart of stone. How do we get a heart of stone? You know how a heart of stone, you know how our hearts become hardened? It's through unforgiveness. That's one way. It's through bitterness. It can even become through grief when we've lost someone. We become hardened. Our, our, our soul, our heart becomes hardened on the outside, and it's very hard for God to penetrate because we're resisting, we're building up a wall. I will remove from you a heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh and I'll put my spirit in you and move you. I'll move you. I'll motivate you to follow my decrees and you'll even be careful to keep my laws. You'll be even careful to obey me. So that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That only can be done through the Holy Spirit. Jesus talked about that. He talked about a new covenant that he was going to bring. He talked about that the Holy Spirit would come and there would be a difference in people's life and then the disciples' lives. Joel chapter 2, 28 and 29 says, It shall come about after this that I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. That means they'll speak the Word of God. Men and women. God promised that. And prophecy just means to be able to receive a message from God and give a message from God. That's one of the evidences of the Holy Spirit that you're able to hear God speak and you're able to speak what God has said to other people. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions and even on male and female servants I'll pour out my spirit in those days. It doesn't matter. And this was, you know, really in that day and age, what he was saying is even the poorest of the poor, men and women, I'm going to pour out my spirit on that day. It doesn't matter your social, economic, family, clan that you come from. Everybody is welcome to be filled with. And Jesus understood this. Jesus was dependent upon the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit when he was baptized. Remember the Spirit came down like a dove and landed upon him? Jesus had to depend upon the Holy Spirit as well because Jesus became a man. He gave up his divine power and had to depend upon the Holy Spirit just like we do. He was both God and man. And so God used him in a powerful way, but he depended upon the Holy Spirit. And then he said, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Now we're moving into the New Testament. And it's talking about Jesus was saying, there's a promise that I've made, that God has made, and he is going to fulfill it if you will just go to Jerusalem. And the early church, they went there. And he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And after that, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were gathering in an upper room, 120 of them. 
It was men. It was women. It was probably children because I don't think they had babysitting back then. Right? You just brought your kids with you. And I'm telling you, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke in tongues, but they spoke in tongues and then everybody listened to what they were saying. They had this ability to speak a language that they had never learned before. And people that were walking by heard them speaking in their language the praises of God. And so they understood and it was a way that they were fulfilling what the prophet Joel had said. That your men and your women will prophesy and they will speak God's word and people will respond. And that day, and then Peter stands up, the fisherman who denied Jesus Christ three times, he stands up, he gives his first sermon of thousands of people come to know Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we don't have those dramatic stories. I wish I could have some dramatic stories with you. I've seen God work in prisons. I've seen him on the mission field. I've seen him work in our church here. And God always works through the power of the Holy Spirit as he draws people and then he transforms them. The people that you never thought would be transformed are transformed. Romans 8, chapter 10 through 12 says this, And if the Spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, Because of his spirit who lives in you. That means the Holy Spirit can give life to your mortal body. Even in sickness, he can bring healing. Even in the most difficult of times, he can bring life into you. And even after you die, you're going to be in his presence. The presence of God. So God covers us here on earth and then in heaven as well. He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. And so Apostle Paul is saying, you know, you can live as a natural person. It's fine. Go to work every day. Go to school every day. Study. Do your homework. Come back. Have a regular schedule. Everything like that. You don't need to depend upon the Holy Spirit. But you're obligated then to the flesh all the time when things really don't go too well. And when we went, but if you live according to the Spirit, you're going to be able to understand more and more of the purposes and the plans that God has for you, even in the midst of all those activities. And the power and the presence of God will be very much more real to you. And then you're going to be able to put to death the misdeeds of the body, and you will live. Now, the problem is this. I think that a lot of people question about the Holy Spirit and they'll say, you know, if I obey the Holy Spirit, why didn't things get better? Why didn't things get better? Why, when I, I seem to obey the Holy Spirit, but things didn't change. David Wilkerson said something very profound, I think. When God calls you to something, He is not always calling you to succeed. He's calling you to obey. It's part of the training process that you hear what the Spirit is saying and then you take a step out and you follow Him. God puts a person on your heart and you invite them to church. Sometimes they come and sometimes they don't come. 
But you obeyed the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes God has called you to go on a missions trip and you go, and it's tough. Sometimes it's difficult. But you were obedient to what God had called you to do. Sometimes God calls you to to leave one job and go to another job. But he's sometimes testing us. He's calling us to obey. The success of the calling is up to him. The obedience is up to you and I. The obedience is up to you and I. So that's why the Holy Spirit and obedience are so important. Because we just don't sit in a worship service and feel the presence of the Holy Spirit and say, whoa, did you feel the presence of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit was moving, man. I felt the presence of God there. And then we go out and boom, boom. We forget all about it. The presence of God, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But if that's the end of it, if that's the end of it, is it really the leading in an Lori's mom, Jean, began to change when she surrendered her life fully to the Lord, and she asked God to fill her with the Holy Spirit. She started to believe what she read in the Bible, that it just wasn't a book. It became life for her. We have her Bible. It's all marked up. It has dates in it. It has things where she was praying about people and situations, and God answered tremendously what and it called all of her children, but I think all, all but one into the ministry. And that, even that one, that guy was serving on a worship team. And even the special needs child was, was, ended up uh, serving on a worship team. But all of them were called into the ministry. There's, there's no, no way that naturally happens. It was through the Holy Spirit. You know, as she opened up her home, and then God used her in a tremendous way. The first time I had dinner with her, she made Polish sausage. I mean, come on. She's Irish, and she made Polish sausage. That, like, touched my heart, being a Polish boy. But she had that gift of hospitality. She understood. She thought about people. She understood who's coming over, what's happening. Really, you don't have to give me Polish sausage if I come to your house. <laughs> I'm trying to cut down. But, but she had this gift of understanding each grandchild that was born to her, each great-grandchild, investing in their lives, praying them through their difficult times. And when she, at the age of 84, dying of a ruptured stomach ambulism, was on her deathbed, she was quoting the scripture that she had memorized as her favorite verse, Isaiah 40, verse 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll walk and not faint. And she began to sing on her deathbed. I was right there. I witnessed it, Lori and I both. And then she fell asleep and went into the presence of the Lord. It's amazing what God does with people, normal people, admit their brokenness and say, God, whatever you want, would you change me? Would you use me? I want to end with this. Four evidences of the filling of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
may say, Pastor Al, I don't know if I'm really filled with the Holy Spirit. I don't know if I've ever experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit. Well, these are some of the evidences. One is you have a bold witness, a willingness to share with others the hope that you found in Christ. And I've gotten some of these from Rob Reamer's book about uh, the pathways to the king. Another one is powerful living. He breaks the power of sin in our lives and changes us to become more loving to God and to others. There's something happens. We have a new power to resist the old sins that keep on pulling us away from Christ. And then he gives us the love for himself and others. The other thing is you begin to hear God speak to you. And then you obey him. Well, what do you mean now? Do you hear like voices come out from the walls? No, I'm saying that sometimes when you're reading the word of God or you feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit in your heart or in your conscience, you begin to be sensitive to how the Holy Spirit is speaking. And then when you obey him, you even sense his presence even more. You know that you're obeying not just yourself, but you're obeying God. And then walking in the calling that God has, the calling that God has for you in your place in this world, and using the gifts God has given you, you become more aware of what God has called you to do and the people that He's placed before you. And we're going to talk about that next week. We're going to talk about the calling and the gifts of the Holy Spirit next week. But I just wanted to talk about just the presence, the power, the baptism, and the filling of the Holy Spirit to be more open to that. And there's not just one filling. If you look through the book of Acts, the apostles were filled in Acts chapter 2. They were filled again in Acts chapter 4. They were filled again later on in Acts 13. There's so many times when God had to fill them with the Holy Spirit. So God uses us all. God wants to do that in our lives all the time in our lives as we depend upon Him. Let's pray. Father God, we just come before you. We ask today that you would fill us with your presence, with the power of the Holy Spirit. Even as we prepare for communion, Lord, I pray that you would give us a willingness to want everything that you have for us. All of your presence, all of your power. so that we could be used by you to love others, to share the message of the gospel and the hope that we found in you. Lord, do that work in us. I pray in Jesus' name.